Well, good morning. Good to see everybody today. Good to have you, those of us that have joined by the live stream. Why don't we uh, just start today a little differently and have a, a, a time of prayer, okay? Let's pray. Boy, Jesus said that he it was zealous that he was. this would be a place of prayer. This would be a place you could come to and, and, and be able to talk with God. Why don't you just take a moment now and, and do that. Maybe you want to offer up a word of, of gratitude. Maybe it's something to confess. Come back in, come back under His forgiveness. Maybe you need His help, His protection, His healing, His guidance. Uh, you have a request. What do you want to talk with the Lord about right now? Oh, Lord, we we worship you today and we're in awe of you for so many reasons. Lord, I'm I'm in awe of you right now that you can hear every one of us like we're the only one here. You're, you're focused on each one, what's on our heart, what, what we have to say, what's important to us. You're, you're, you're focused in on that. I don't know how you do that. I can't explain that or understand it. But, but God, you hear each and every one of us. And, and not just in this room, not just in this church, but God, in, in, in your people who have gathered throughout this world, the whole world, as, as churches have gathered, you've heard every single prayer from the group, from the individual. And we didn't have to be in a building for that to happen. You, we might have been at home. You heard the prayer and we thank you for that, God. God, we, we come before you this morning, all the individual things that we're carrying, Lord. We, we come before you for our, our, our Christian brothers and sisters in England. God, I, I, I pray for the, our government. I pray for their government, God, for wisdom, for guidance and and how to respond and what to do. God, we, we pray for peace. We, we pray for protection. We pray this, this insanity, these ongoing attacks would stop. And Lord, I would pray for the church there in England that, that this would be an opportunity for them to, to be a help, to be a hope, to be an encouragement. Would you Provide that platform, Father, enable and empower them to, to be able to get in there where the hurt and the dark is and, and to be your healing and to be your light. Lord, I, I, I pray that as we're coming up on our last service this morning, we've been at four services across two campuses. God, I pray that everything that has gone on in this church, every Every word spoken, every car parked, every dollar given, every word preached and teached and every word prayed. God, I pray you have been blessed and honored by our gathering. I pray you know how much we love you, how much we worship you, how much we need you. Hear our prayers, O oh God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to June. Isn't it exciting to be here? I, you know, am I the only one? Isn't there something kind of magical about getting to June or December? 
I mean, when you're in those months, the magic's about to happen. Of course, December's kind of obvious, but, but doesn't June hold the same promise with the end of school and the start of summer and vacations? It, it just all kind of seems good at the moment. I'm not sure about your home. Our home has looked forward to this particular June really since about last June. We, we have been building toward this, this month uh, for, for almost a solid year, and almost a solid year I've been praying about all that's going to go on in, in this coming month. And, and as a matter of fact, it, it's such a big month for us, I'm kind of half anticipating that even 20 years from now, Karen and I will, will look back on 50 years of marriage and we'll say, you know, June of 2017, that was a big one. That, that, that was a big one. I, I think this one will always rank uh, in, in our story. And, and the good news is most of it's pretty good stuff. I mean, we, we have a lot of exciting things going on and, and just looking forward to it. Every week seems to be a big week and every week it gets a, a little bigger. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about a month. Just, just listen to this seven-day run. So we'll have our, our second daughter get married on a Sunday afternoon. And five days after that, Randy will leave and, and go back to West Point for the rest of the year. And two days after that, then Colin will leave and go to West Point pretty much for the rest of the year. So I, I, I've told Karen, this has just kind of become the marker in my mind. I think by the time we get to fireworks, we're going to be emotionally empty. We'll for sure be financially empty. I'm confident of that. I'm confident June's going to be a big check writing uh, month at, at our house. But, you know, again, mostly good stuff, all pretty exciting things there. But, you know, even, even good stuff, because sometimes when you look back on your story, it's not always good stuff, right? Sometimes what makes a month so big is not all the fun stuff that's happening. Sometimes it's the the difficult things we're walking through. But even when it is good, even when it is positive, you can have a heaviness in prayer. Does that make sense? I mean, these are all good things that are, that are happening, but I really have probably no less than five days a week, every week for almost a year now, I've been praying about what's going to go on this month. You know, my kids are just flying through some really big intersections and there are some big bills and there's going to be family coming in and just a lot to coordinate and even down to just, hey, I hope we're healthy, I hope the safe travel and and all these different things happening. I, you know, and I'm supposed to work, I think, somewhere during the course of this month. Uh, As a matter of fact, the, the Sunday that Amy's getting married, I'm actually preaching all three services that Sunday morning. If you've ever wondered, can he ever preach short? Come June 25th, I'm going to almost all but guarantee you're going to hear a short one that day. You just come to watch it happen. <laughs> so, but you know, all these different things going on. And you know, when I pray, it's not just that I want it to work or this to happen or that to I want God in it, right? I mean, does it make a little bit of sense? Who cares if it works if God's not in it? Who cares if everybody's healthy and we have safe travel if, if God's not in it? So I've been a lot of praying about just God being a part of it, God's hand on it, God, God's presence in it. And, and, you know, when we pray, when I pray, I'm looking for answers, right? I'm looking for answers. You're looking for answers. But there's something that comes before answers, A little prayer, a big prayer, a prayer you pray once, a prayer you've been praying all year long. There's something that comes before the answer, and that's God hearing, right? I mean, does God hear? That's a a big deal. Being heard is a big deal. And I think there's a lot more going on 
in that question, does God hear, than just, do my words get beyond the ceiling? Can God audibly make out my voice? Yes, I know for some that is kind of the big question. But, but I think for a lot of us, it gets beyond just a, a physical hearing when we ask the question, does God hear? I, I wonder sometimes, are we really asking, does God care? Is what's important to me important to him? Am I important to him? Because, you know, if, if, am I important enough to him that he, he would listen to me? You know, if you'll stop and think about it, and I don't think it takes a lot for us to get there, being heard is a big deal in our lives. We have a lot of emotion wrapped up in whether we feel... And I'm not just talking about from God, from each other, right? We, we have a lot of emotion wrapped up in whether we feel heard or not. We, we feel listened to or not. We're important enough to be heard or not. We got a lot in that. You know, I, I, I was thinking... I don't ever like being told no, do you? I mean, if you go into the office, you go ask the coach, you, the teacher, the boss, your mate, a friend. You don't, if you're asking something, you don't want to be told no. But I can handle no a little better if I, at least I feel like I've been heard, right? If I, at least I, they, they gave me an opportunity, they, they understood, they asked some questions, so I know they were engaging with what I was trying to communicate. They listen, they may not have come to the answer I wanted, but I know they, they heard me, they respected what I was saying. But boy, it's quite the opposite when you go and talk to somebody and, and they never looked up from their phone, right? They never could even turn away from the TV, uh, you, you went and talked to them about it the next day and realized they don't even remember talking to you or what you talked about. The, the day. I mean, we, when we feel unheard, that's a bad moment, isn't it? We, we don't like to be un, unheard. This is a, a big deal, a big emotion in our lives. We expect people to listen to us, don't we? Now, you know, I say that, I, I think there's actually a spectrum. Now, I wouldn't say I'd ever thought about this before until I was thinking about it for this message. But, but I think there is a spectrum of, of expectation of people listening to us. You know, down on one end, I think we've got a group of people that if our gums are flapping, we expect them to be dialed in, right? Whether I'm saying something big or small, important or unimportant, there's a certain group of people that if I'm talking, I absolutely, 100% of the time, expect them to be listening. That, that would be who? Our, you know, our parents, our children, our mate, maybe, maybe we've got a friend or two that we would put in that category. So that's one end. And then we move down the spectrum. And boy, the middle here, that's probably where we put most people. Now again, I... I when you talk, you expect to be heard, right? I, I expect people, my boss, my coach, my, my teacher, my friends, my co-workers, the, the, the customer service agent, especially the customer service agent. You know, if I'm talking, I expect them to listen, right? But now reality tells me that whole process isn't perfect. <laughs> I don't talk perfect, they don't listen perfect. They don't talk perfect, I don't listen perfect. So, so we know that while we expect that, there, there's a breakdown. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the far end down here, we, we have the PCAs. We have the president, celebrities, and athletes. You know, because every now and then, life will afford you, afford me the opportunity to bump into one of these people. You know, maybe we knew it was coming and planned on it. Maybe it didn't even know it was happening. But there, there I am, shaking hands with the President of the United States. 
Or there I am getting the autograph of my, my favorite athlete. And you know, while we're getting that autograph, while we're snapping that picture, there's like, what, a 30-second conversation? Maybe, maybe 90 seconds of conversation that goes on while that's happening. Now, when you walk away from that conversation, are you anticipating they're getting in bed that night thinking about the conversation they had with you? Not, not at all. I don't even expect them to remember my name three seconds later. Listen, I got a picture and I got a story. I'm good. Right? That's all I needed. I don't expect... I was talking. Now, wait a minute. I was talking. But I have no anticipation that there was any real listening or hearing going on there. So you, you see kind of the spectrum this can happen on? Now, now here's my question. Where do you put God on that spectrum? Where, where, where for you does he go? See, I, I, at first I was thinking we would all kind of put him in the same place, but we wouldn't put him in the same place, would we? No, our experience with God, our, our faith with God, we're all going to have them in a, in a different place on the spectrum. For some of us, we might think God's not a whole lot more than a president or a famous person. I, I, you know, I, I, I love the fact I get to bump into him every now and then. I, I hope he remembers my name. I, I can't imagine why the God of the universe would want to talk to me or hear me. We, we might put God down here. Maybe we've got him kind of in the middle. You know, I hope, I believe. I think I was told at church once that he listens and then there would be some of us that would have him way down here on this end. I expect. Now think about that. I expect the God of the universe to be dialed into every word I say. That's kind of crazy thinking, isn't it? And yet, folks, that's where God wants us to put him. Right? I mean, he's made a promise what do we learn about promise? That word implies an expectation. If he promises that he hears us, then we can expect him to hear us. We're continuing today our, our series on the promises of God. This is my third of nine messages, I believe. So this is kind of where we're going to be going on through the, the summertime. Our first promise we looked at, remember, was that God has not only has a purpose for us. You're not random. You're not an accident. God has a purpose for your life. But the promise was this, that God will fulfill the purpose. That God's going to complete, fulfill the purpose for you being alive, being here on this planet. Then we looked at a really, I think, a promise we got to cling to every single day. We got a promise from God about what we can expect when, when we go and tell Him some bad stuff about ourselves. When we go and share with them the wrongs and the, and the sins. Because, you know, when you do that with people, you don't always know how they're going to respond, Right? And I would imagine most of us have had at least one bad experience with how somebody responded. Well, what's, what's God going to say? What's God going to do? He's got a promise for that. I promise you when you confess, you're going to find me faithful and just. You're going you're to find the opportunity to come back under my forgiveness and, and live there. And, and so now today we come to a third promise, God hears. And we're going to look at this in a little bit different than the last two and maybe the way we'll do most of these. For what I'm doing in most of these, I'm giving you a promise found in a verse. And, and we kind of unwrap that verse and understand what's going on around it and, and in it and what's in that promise for us. But, but today, instead of focusing on one, I kind of want to throw at you a... Kind of a multitude of verses. Uh, verses. I, I think I too, had too many ESs in there. I, I want to throw at you a multitude of verses where we see our desire to be heard from God. Where we see God being described as a God who hears. 
where we see the promise. I, I want you to, this is kind of a common theme that runs throughout Scripture, this whole idea of, of God hearing and that, that promise. So let's look up here. You see Job 22. Job is speaking and he says, you will make your prayer to him and he will hear you. Now that sounds a lot like a promise, doesn't it? But, but it's not God speaking. It's Job speaking. So can I really claim that as a promise? I mean, I, I appreciate that Job is saying that God will hear me, but I don't know Job. I don't know if I can trust. Who is Job? Who is that guy? Well, remember, whether Job writes that, or Moses, you know, or Paul, or, or Peter, or Isaiah, remember, at the end of the day, whose actual words are they? They're God's words. God had Job write that word. God had Job make that statement of faith so that you could have that statement of faith that when you pray, he will hear you. So certainly a very implied promise there. Psalm 17, I will call upon you for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. I love that. That's kind of the Hebrew way of saying God leans in. God leans in. Folks, imagine this. This is the God of the universe we're talking about. He leans in to what's on your heart. He leans in to what's important to you, what's big to you. Doesn't matter how it ranks to somebody else. If it's on your heart, He leans in because He hears. He hears. Hear my words. Now, that's a request. That's not a promise. That's the psalmist. That's you and me saying, God, I'm praying, hear me. God, God, would you please hear me? Psalm 34, not a promise, but a description. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The verse is just describing God hears, God sees. That's very exciting. It's very comforting. It's very encouraging. And it's a little bit of a warning, isn't it? Right? Oh, wait a minute. God saw that. What? God heard. Think how many things you say because you think only the person in front of you hears. Right? No, God, God hears every word. Now, this verse kind of, it says it's referring to God's people. If you're a child of God, God hears, God sees, but there will be other verses. That, that's true for all people because that's kind of like being God, isn't it? He hears, he sees everyone, everything, every conversation. So there's a description of him. Jeremiah twenty nine twelve. Now, if I was going to give you a promise, uh, this would be the one. This would be the verse. And you know what, folks? I hope that when we get to August... You've got nine verses written down and you've got nine verses memorized. You'd go to the go OBX or wherever you go and you, you work on memorizing those verses because you know what the reality is? There's a lot of things going on in my heart and life. There's things going on in circumstances around me that will really lead me to believe that God's not listening. That God doesn't care, that he doesn't hear, or at least he doesn't hear me. And it's pretty easy for me to trust my interpretation of the circumstances. It's pretty easy for me to trust my feelings. But boy, I need to reject those feelings and I need to anchor my life to the promise. Every one of these promises are things we need to anchor our life to. I promise you, by the time we get to August, you'll have nine verses you want your life anchored to every single day. And here's the promise. You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. That's the promise, isn't it? God says, you call to me. You say, Lord, you pray, I will hear you. Folks, you realize, I, don't, I don't know what your experience with prayer, what your experience with God is as, as you arrive into this place today. But, but I can tell you this. Do you now realize from this moment forward, it is entirely inappropriate for you to ever again wonder, does God hear, does God care? 
Do, do my words get beyond the ceiling? I get it that you and I question that. I get it that we can feel that way, but we anchor to the promise. And God has promised that he hears you. So you never again have the right, oh, does God hear me? I already promised you I do. Isn't that what he's saying right here? I promise I hear. As a matter of fact, God wants us to have confidence. 1 John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence. Not, boy, this, I, I hope he hears. They told me that at church one time. Well, I can't really tell it, but it's my belief. No, this is my confidence that we have toward the Lord. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Why do we have that confidence? Do, do my feelings give me that confidence? Do circumstances? No, his word, his promise gives me that confidence. Isn't that incredible, folks? God hears you. God promises that he hears you. He wants you to expect him to hear you. He hears you. Do you know why? Well, I mean, the reason why is because he's God and he hears everything, right? <laughs> but, but I'm not asking, do you know physically how or physically what? Do you know why God hears you? Because he loves you. He loves you, and what's important to you is important to him. You know, it's interesting all the way throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, how often the prayer life, how often you and I crying out to God is couched in the terms, is, is enveloped in the relationship of a, of a father and a child. And, and I love the way Romans eight fifteen to 16 expresses this. It's not just any father and any child, because sometimes we have not such good relationships in that whole father-child relationship. But in Romans eight fifteen to 16, it says, hey, when you pray, when you call out to me, what I want for you is the experience of being able to say, Daddy. You know, even though it says that in Scripture, I, how often do you hear somebody say, Daddy, in prayer? Not very often. It's still kind of awkward and uncomfortable for us, I think. But that's our problem, not God's. Know what he wants for you and me. And the, that word Abba, it doesn't just mean daddy. It's really more like any kind of nickname. Intimate, not a bad nickname. But any kind of intimate nickname that you would have. I mean, it could be, Abba could be translated pops, pa, daddy. It's any word I would use specifically when I'm in love with my dad. When I'm dependent upon my dad. When I'm totally at peace and at ease. Calling out to my dad. That, that's what Romans 8, 15 to 16 says. Boy, when you're calling out to me, it's in that relationship. It's in that experience that I want you to be able to do it. And Philippians 4, 6 says, and when you call out to me, you can talk about anything you want. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, anything and everything that would make you anxious, anything and everything that's on your heart, talk to me about it. That's incredible. Do you know what that means you and I should never do again? Something I think probably a lot of us have done. You've ever been embarrassed about your prayer request? Especially if the person who went before you had just some life-altering, devastating prayer request. And so we say, well, I... I mean, I, 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 you know, I hesitate to even say this. This isn't very Im, Im, important and big. It's not like, you know, what they just said. And, uh, you know, and we, and we kind of, you know, we hem and haw and kind of sheepishly bring our, our little worthless. Stop it. No, your request may not be as big as the person next to you. God doesn't care. 
God didn't say call out to me as long as your request is bigger than the person to the right and to the left. He says, hey, if it's on your heart, I want it to be on my heart. If it's on your heart, I want to hear you talk to me about it. We don't have to measure our request to, against all the problems in the world and what the God of the universe is handling today. He hasn't asked us to measure where our request fits in that. He just said, as a loving dad, if it's on your heart, come put it on my heart. I just think that's awesome. I think that's incredible that the God of the universe, the Almighty, the Most Holy, would lay that opportunity out before me. Now, what this makes me wonder, and I'll tell you, as I've gone through a lot of these promises, as I will in the weeks ahead, I kind of like to unwrap this, this goodie bag of promise and see all that's in there for me and what I can enjoy and have in that and how I live it and act on it and all that. But I tell you, as I thought about this promise... I don't know why, I just was more led to think, hey, what's my response to that? N not what's all in the goodie bag of God always listening to me, but what is an appropriate response to the knowledge that God has promised He's always listening to what I say? And, and if God is saying that to me, how do you and I not leave that promise and go, man, I need to pray and I need to pray confidently? I mean, he, he's given the invitation. He's made the promise. I need to talk with God. I need to talk with God every day about everything. I, and, and I need to do that with confidence, not with doubt, not with wonder. No, it's a, it's a promise. I need to do it with confidence. And this is a relationship. Man, if one part of the relationship is promising the other part of the relationship that he always listens, wouldn't we want to say, hey, hey God, I, I want to be good at listening too. God, I, I want to. Now, that might not be what you think. We're thinking about the promise of how God listens to us. But shouldn't that say something about our commitment to listen to Him through prayer, through His Word? I mean, folks, the truth be known, I, it's amazing that God makes this promise. But truth be known, I would say this is just me. I think it's probably a lot more important that I listen to Him than He listened to me. It's not like I'm letting Him in on anything when I pray, it's not like I'm giving Him, Lord, I think you probably need this insight. I think you probably need this information. Are you listening, Lord? Oh, yeah, you promised. Okay, here goes. No, I, I think there's probably a lot more value in me listening to him. And that's why I'm all the more amazed that he says, but I listen to you every single word. If it's on your heart, it, it's on mine. How amazing is that? Now, while we're talking about God listening, I think to kind of get a full picture here, this is not as much the fun part, but I, I think to get a full picture, we probably need to acknowledge and recognize there's a handful of places, two in particular for this morning, where God says, I, I'm not listening. Now, is God breaking his promise? He, you promised me you'd listen. And yet, yet now you're saying you're not listening. Well, well which one is it, Lord? Well, let, let's understand what's going on here. But two places in particular where God says, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to you here. You're not going to experience. You're not going to enjoy the God who listens. And one is when you and I have unconfessed, unrepentant sin, that causes static. T totally messes up. The communication. Psalm 66 says, if I had cherished, and that's the key word. As a matter of fact, I put unconfessed, unrepentant. Really, the issue with cherished is it's unrepentant, right? See, I cherish the sin. I'm not trying to confess it. I'm not trying to repent. I don't want to confess it. I don't want to repent. I, I want the sin. 
I want this in. I want what it does for me. I, I want what it enables me right now. I, I, I want my sin. Well, guess what? God says, when you are holding on to the voice of your sin tighter than my voice, I'll just let you have the voice of your sin. Now, understand with this, and there's a differentiation between this one and the next one. You might be over here praying about something that is absolutely a right and good and appropriate prayer to have before the Lord, but because you're actually day in and day out cherishing and treasuring the voice of your sin, he says, this, this is not going to happen. I, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to you when you cherish the voice of your sin more. We'll come back in just a second and see if that's a broken promise the second reason that God might not be listening is because my prayers are shaped more by the world that's going to cause static now what what do I mean prayers shaped by the world it's when my prayers have more of an influence of the world's priorities the world's values the, the the world's desires when those start to shape what I'm praying about more than God did you notice in some of these verses when you pray according to his will you know, when, when my prayers are shaped by who he is and what he's like and, and what's important to him, there's another side of that. We start going to God and talking to him about what's important to me in the world and maybe don't even recognize that we're asking God to bless sin. We, we can't even see the difference. I mean, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You're, you're asking for me to hear you in your sin. You're asking me for me to bless your sin, to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. What's he saying when he calls us adulterous people? You cheat on me. Man, I love you and I've promised to live, uh, to, to listen to you and to hear you and to, and to take care of you. And you reject me and you cheat on me and you're disloyal to me. And now you're coming and standing here and asking me to bless your relationship with that which hates me. Well, that, that makes us an adulterer, right? You, you adulterous people. Do you not know? And you know what the answer is? No, we don't. We don't recognize the passion. I think the scripture is being kind there and saying my friendship with the world. We don't even see our passion for the world and its values and its priorities. And so it doesn't even register with us when I go before God and I say, Hey God, would you bless this entirely immoral relationship I'm in? Now we don't use the word immoral, do we? No, but we can't even recognize that this, the, the relationship I'm asking God to bless, that His Word is clear over and over and over, this grieves me. This, this is not what I have for you. Hey, God, would you prosper my greed and my selfishness and my total lack of concern for anything and anyone around me? Would you just bless and prosper me in that? Hey, God, would you give strength and power to my anger and my revenge? Now, folks, those are none of the words we use because we don't even recognize how much we've been shaped by the world. And, and, and you know... My guess is, sitting here in church, none of us really wants to acknowledge that. Or we say, ah, you know, I know. But, but you know, think about it this way. I, I'm, I'm guessing, for most of us, if we spent one hour in the Bible this week, that'd be, that'd be pretty good, right? I mean, what, what, what's an hour? I mean, if you read the Bible this week, let's, let's say four or five days, you spent 10, 12, 15 minutes, that's an hour, one hour. I gave God one hour to influence me with his passions, his values, his priorities. God got a solid hour. Hey, God, here's an hour. You do with it what you want. 
How many hours does the world get? Would there be a single week of your life where the world is not pouring 80 solid hours into your soul? Through Twitter, through Snapchat, through the conversations with your friends, through movies, through music. It is dumping and dumping and dumping. We give God a whole hour. 80 to 1. Who's going to win, folks? 80 to 1. I, I, I can sit in church every single week and love God every single week and don't recognize how my friendship with the world is what's growing every single week. And pretty soon my prayers start to sound like it before God. So God says, I'm not, I'm not going to listen when you cherish sin, when the, the voice of sin is greater in your life than my voice. I'm not going to listen when your, your prayers have been shaped by sin. Now, is that God breaking a promise? No, that's God being good. Guess what, folks? A good father never says yes when the child is asking for something destructive. And sin's always destructive. No matter what value I get out of it in this moment, it's still going to be ultimately destructive. A good father is going to say, I'm not listening to you. You're asking for something stupid. Isn't God nice to not say that to me? But that's, isn't that what he's saying in these verses? Listen, God's promise to hear does not make him a slave to my voice. God's promise to hear does not make him a slave to my whims and desires. He is a good father and a good father's answer is always going to be good and wise and loving. Might not be my answer, might not be my time, might not be my way, but it's always good. When God says, I promise to hear, he's saying, I promise to give the good and right answer. How do we respond to that? Well, I've already said, one, we want to we, we respond by praying confidently. We want to respond by listening to Him. But we also want to respond by acting heard and loved. I thought a lot about this point this week. And I, I, most of the week I was working on this message, the point here was actually don't. Don't act unheard and unloved. And I don't know, I was working on all week long. I got to, I don't know, Thursday, Friday, and I thought, you know what, I want to say it more positive, right? I mean, if you think about it, saying the same thing, act, heard, and love, don't act unheard and unloved, it's the exact same thing, one's more from a negative view, one's more from a positive view. Ah, I'm going to go with more of the positive view. And, and, and so I wrote it down, and I, and I sent the PowerPoint in, so now it's, you know, it's in print. I can't do anything about it. But the reason, then I remembered why I wrote it the other way. Because isn't the other way really more of our experience? I mean, we really do. We know. This week, you were unheard and unloved. I don't have to know you. I don't have to know where you live, who you relate with. I know if you walked on this earth in the last seven days, there was somewhere, might have been very small, might have been big. There's a pretty good chance you were unheard and unloved. You tried to speak, you tried to express yourself, and you're not important enough to listen to. Your words are not enough value to take me away from my iPhone. I'm sorry. What's on my iPhone is just a lot more important and valuable to me than, than what you have to say. If you've walked on this earth, you've, you've been unheard and you've been unloved. And, and folks, we respond to that. We have emotions about that, don't we? We pout. We get angry. We give the silent treatment. Maybe what we were trying to communicate uh, kind of needed some action. 
Needed somebody to do something. Well, now since I'm not heard, now I gotta, I gotta take over. I gotta, I gotta get in there and I gotta manipulate and I gotta make happen what I really don't have the ability to make happen. So not only am I manipulating, but I'm a lot more stressed and I'm a lot more worried because being unheard and unloved is a really very difficult, stressful life. And so it's going to evoke a lot of emotions. It's going to evoke a lot of actions that usually just make things a lot worse. Welcome to planet Earth. And you'll do it again this week. But that's not true for you and me if you prayed. When you pray, don't walk away from that moment acting unheard and unloved. Act heard and loved. Well, what's it mean to act heard and loved? You tell me. How do you feel? What do you do when you went to the office, you, you went into that lunch, you know, with something to communicate, you went and talked to that person, and you, you wanted to, and they, they listened to you, and they asked a couple questions to make sure they understood, and, and, and then they, hey, I'm, you're going to get a response. And matter of fact, we don't even need to see the, whatever the point of the conversation was resolved. If we feel heard, there's a kind of a sense of peace, isn't there? I've, I've done what I can do. I mean, all I could do was share it with them. All I could do was tell them. And, and now there's, there's a sense of peace. There, sometimes there's happiness, right? Sometimes whew, it's off my back. You know, it's theirs now. They've got it. That's how we act when we pray. And if we pray, then that's how we should act about everything. You and I should enter every relationship, every circumstance, every situation as somebody who's been heard and loved. Now, that is a step of faith, isn't it? I mean, the reason I get mad at you and pout and manipulate is because I watched you while I was listening to you. It was pretty clear you weren't listening, right? See, we look for cues from each other when we're talking, right? Look at the eyes. You know, did my head turn? We listen for responses, well, I mean, let's be honest. When I'm praying to God, I can't look at his face and, and see if he was actually paying attention. And maybe right away I don't, I don't hear any response. So a lot of the cues that we give and take from each other to know if we're really listening, hearing, I, I, don't, I don't see that from God. But you know, folks, if you stop and think about it, we misinterpret a lot of cues. We act wrongly on a lot of cues and, and things we interpret. I, I actually think we've got something better than a, a cue from God. We've got a promise from God. He promises that He hears us. And so my next step out of prayer is to act like somebody who's been heard and somebody who's been loved. You know, folks, I, I, uh, actually I should have saved this sermon for for the wedding day, because I actually could have done this whole sermon in three minutes. I said, what? You tell us that now? Why didn't you just practice doing the three-minute sermon? You know, here, here's the promise, Jeremiah 29, 12, right? When you call out, when you pray, I will hear. That is the promise. And, and, and while I've given you this list and spent this time explaining it, I, it's just so beautifully and simply a response is expressed in Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. As the psalmist just absorbed and processed the idea that the God of the universe listens and dials in to his voice. He responds and he says, I love you. I feel so loved. I feel so important. You're leaning in. You incline your ear. You lean in to what's important to me. You lean in to what I care about and what's on my heart. You, man, Lord, I, 
I love you. That's a proper response, isn't it? You hear, you lean in. Wow. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to like pray about everything for the rest of my life. For the re- for, now that I know this, boy, for the rest of my life, I'm going to talk to God about every single thing, every single day, and just leave it in his lap. Because he cares. My dad has all wisdom. My dad has all resources. And my dad is listening. So I'm going to talk to him about it every single day. The promise I hear. The response, I love you. And I'm going to talk with you about everything every day. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you hear. I don't understand how you always do that. I don't understand how you can do that for all of us. But you've promised. And we worship you and we praise you for it. God, give me the faith to act like a person who's been heard. To act like a person who's been loved in this way. You value my voice. You think what's important to me is important to you. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.